Hey guys, this is former NWA World's Heavyweight Champion Tim Storm. The following announcement has been paid for by the WZWA Network. Hi everybody, this is former WWE superstar Al Snow. And Bennett. TWN is Sean Oliver. My name is Eugene. And you are watching the Insider's Edge Podcast. Now get on the train. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show here on the WZWA Network on YouTube and all platforms. I am your host with the most on the West Coast, California in Fury, and I'm very excited to be with you here tonight, midnight here in Perth, Western Australia. And something a little different is happening here tonight because someone else who's a part of the WZWA Network is very excited to have the opportunity to be a part of this show as well and speak to the man we're speaking to tonight because he is a massive fan of the man we'll be talking to tonight. So without any further ado, it's Juicy Boy. He is the one and only DJ Daniel Johnston. DJ, how are you tonight, my friend? I am very good, Carl. I am very good. Mr. Storm, so nice to get the opportunity to talk to you here today. Yes, it's the one and only... Former NWA World's Heavyweight Champion Tim Storm. Tim, man, guys, thanks for thanks for uh, having me on. It's a pl- always a pleasure to talk to you guys, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing where we go, what we talk about. Uh, and I, I'll, I, I have never been to uh, Australia. That's on my list of places I have to go before I'm done. So Excellent. Well, we'll yeah. have to make sure that we make that happen, DJ. I mean, we've got yeah, to cook Tim Storm the Great Aussie Barbecue, right? <laughs> They sure Absolutely. do, and that's some good barbecue down here. Oh, definitely. Hey, I'm, I'm, definitely. I'm, all, I'm a uh, I'm a meat eater, so I'm all about uh, I'm all about it. I did get the chance a couple. That's probably four or five years ago, too. And I'm going to draw a blank, but uh, a couple of guys. I think one of them was actually from Perth that made the trip to the states and made the NWA tour. Worked about five or six shows. Um, was his name? Uh, was his name Mike? Mikey. Well, one of one of them was working as uh, I think it was the Great White Shark, uh, but they had they had an NWA yes. franchise over there for a while, and it was the two guys that were running that franchise. And right, I see. Them, yeah, I think one of them actually had the uh, I think he had the NWA South American or you know at the end of title against, and at the time I had the North American, so we had a we had oh, a right. match for that, which was which was a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, that Excellent, sounds awesome. <laughs> um, we'll get we'll kick right off here today. <laughs> Tim, uh, to talk about the early days of of you and your wrestling fandom before you got into the business. Obviously, Texas has always been a wrestling hotbed, especially in the 70s and early 80s. Uh, What were your first memories of professional wrestling and who was some of your favorites? Well, I I grew up in Pine Bluff, Arkansas, which is, uh, you know, kind of in the deep south. And because of where I where I was located, I got... Uh, I got wrestling three times a day on the TV, right? So I got in the mornings, um, I got Jerry Lawler, uh, you know, and then the, the USWA out of Memphis. Uh, in the afternoons, I got, you know, NWA Atlanta, Mid-South. And at night, I got uh, World Class, which was the Von Erics. And so I got, you know, on Saturdays growing up, I got wrestling three times a day. <laughs> I got to see, and again, I'm now this is as a guy who's, whatever, you know, 30, 40 years later, three different styles of wrestling. Um, in the mornings, I saw Lawler, Dundee, Kamala, uh, Honky Talk, all those guys. And in the afternoons, I got Road Warriors, Four Horsemen, 
wrestling one and two superstar. And then at night I got the Von Erics versus versus the Freebirds, And, you know, so I got three different styles and all of them is, is, you know, that all of them made their mark on what I wanted to be. That's amazing. DJ, I mean, our perspective, when we were like becoming fans, what did yeah. we have? All like, you had was like, one, you had WWE, thing, you might've w- had some, if it was had WCW a little bit, maybe a little bit of TNA. Maybe. That's yeah. It. But then, like, to have had three, like, imagine having yeah. four. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> In well, one that, day. That's, that's one of the things that, you know, well, pre-COVID, that was one of the things that I, that I was most excited about, about this kind of the state of wrestling is there were, you know, you could find anything you wanted any night of the week, you know, as, as, as with, with the NWA as, as we developed uh, NWA power, you know, we, it, it kind of developed a, a trend that people are following now where using the, using the Facebook platform, you know, you could have wrestling literally every night, as opposed to, I must have a major network to be successful. And I think, I think Billy kind of broke the mold on that and showed how successful mm-hmm. you could be using a different platform. Yeah, absolutely. DJ. Absolutely. I, th- I think that, you know, NWA power, and I mean, we'll get to it a, li- a little bit later, but uh, one of the things I personally loved about NWA power was it took advantage of the fact that there are just so many platforms and avenues to kind of get a product out there to a wide audience. And I, I love that, but we'll get back to that later. Um, according to my information, you were trained by a wrestler named Bill Ash. That's correct. <laughs> had the territorial career. He worked in the NWA. He worked for Jim Crockett all over the South. He had a thriving kind of career. How did you come to train with Bill? And also kind of what, what was, uh, what was the philosophy that Bill kind of imbued in you during training? Did his old school kind of Southern mentality, was that really something that he tried to instill in you during training or? Yeah. It, you know, I didn't start training until I was 30 or 31. Uh, which, you know, as you guys know, that's, that's late in a wrestler's career. That's usually when a lot of guys are getting out of wrestling at that <laughs> age. Um, and I, it, it's, it's something I had always wanted to do. I consider myself, or I considered myself, I'm not sure what's left now, but an athlete doing a lot of different things. And I just, my knees had started bothering me doing what I was doing. And I don't know why wrestling would thought it would be a relief, but <laughs> I, I wanted to try a new challenge. And the first call that I made was to uh, WCW power plant and started talking to them. And I, at the time I had, a, you know, I was the vice president of a company in Sherwood, Arkansas, I'm, you know, married, two kids, uh, house payment, two cars, you know, living the life. And I uh, made the call and the guy there was, you know, and, and again, you guys probably know this, but it was set up. It was a, it was a moneymaker for WCW. You know, they, they, they brought guys in and you really had to want it to stay because they tried to run guys off the, the first day. Yeah. And they didn't tell me that, but, but what they did tell me basically was um, you need to be under 30. And I said, what if I'm right on the border? And I was over 30. What if I'm right on the border? And he kind of laughed and he said, you need to be in the best shape of your life. Uh, but uh, I was telling a friend of mine, that you know that I had made the call and he goes hey you probably wouldn't be interested but he said I saw a commercial on local tv for uh it it was called IPCW or something he goes he said I'll be real honest with you the production wasn't very good but they're advertising a wrestling school in Paris Arkansas 
which from Little Rock was about two hours. Uh, and he said, might be something you want to check into. So made a couple of calls, uh, connected with Bill Ash. And to his credit, you know, he said, hey, you come out and try it once. And if you don't like it, you know, no, you don't worry about it. Uh, don't, you know, free on the first one. And, you know, it didn't take long for me to realize this was going to be probably the most physically challenging thing I'd ever done. Uh, you know, your question about what did Bill instill in me? Bill was as old school as you could get. Um, like you said, he came up in the Southern territories. I think he worked, I think he held, he was kind of what we would consider a uh, cruiserweight, you know, kind of, he was, he was probably five, seven. And at this point he's in his fifties with a pot belly and glasses and balding. And he, he would sit in the corner of the ring in a lawn chair with a two by four across his legs. And that's how he would coach. And um, the, the facility was, I wouldn't even call it a facility as a stretch. It, you could not stand on the second rope without hitting your head on the ceiling, <laughs> much less that's, and again, I'm not going to say that's why I don't go to the top rope, but you know, <laughs> it, it established something early on, but uh, it, his, he was as old school as you could get. You know, he would say, he believed that you couldn't learn more than one thing or more than two things in a week. So he would say, this is a hammerlock. Here's how you break somebody's arm. Now, here's how you do it without breaking their arm. And you have to choose which one you're doing. And everything he did was, was shoot. You know, here's how you, here's how you have to protect yourself. Here's how you t- take the hold. Uh, and he didn't literally didn't smart me, smarten me up until after the first match I had with him. I mean, I, he, you know, he got me in a corner and he said, hit me. And I hit him as hard as I could. Uh, you know, I mean, I, we, we, we never worked on punches. I didn't know what a work punch was. I uh, didn't, he, he gritted his teeth and he goes, hit me. And I hit him harder. And, you know, we got, we got in the back later and I said, you know, well, you know, he was saying, Hey, not bad for a first match or whatever. And I said, uh, did I do something wrong in the corner? And he goes, no. And I said, was I not hitting you hard enough? He said, you were hitting me so hard. I couldn't sell it. So, you know, it was, it was, it was legit. It was a, you know, it was a fight every time you got in there. And that's, that's just how I learned. Unbelievable. I think it's really cool. Um, when someone says that, you know, you, you're already set up for life here. You've, you're, you're vice president of a company. You're set for life, <laughs> but you still have this dream, this dream right. to do this thing. And you still went for it, even though you're at an age where not many people would usually go for it by that point. Well, it, it, I didn't, I did not in my head, I, because of the, and the reason I brought that up about a house and cars and all that kind of stuff was I, I didn't pursue WCW because I didn't feel in good conscience I couldn't walk away from my family support. Mm. I don't mean walk away from the family, but support of the family. I still had to make a living. I still had to pay bills. Uh, and I just felt like doing that locally was a, was a better bet for my family. Yeah. But it was something I wanted to do. And, you know, for wrestling fans out there, if, if you've never trained, if you've never done, been in that situation, it is a, it's a commitment and it's a time commitment for me. It was a travel commitment just to get there. It was only, you know, two hours, one way. Um, and it's a physical commitment. You know, it's, it's, if you're not in all the way, you're going to get hurt and you're not going to be successful in the training, much less as in a career. So yeah, it's, it's, it was definitely something that was, that was implanted early on watching all those, all those early shows. And, you know, and the, and the kind of the ironic thing now is, you know, and I, I don't think it's any secret out there. I'm 56. Uh, and as, as I'm, as I do 
as over the last 10 years, as I've done a lot of different shows and a lot of different places, now all those guys that I was watching are now my friends, uh, which, and, and I still don't quite understand the age thing, you know, because uh, they're, most of them are only two or three years older than I am. Uh, so it's, you know, so those guys that I'm watching, I don't, I, I still don't, can't put that in my head. I was <laughs> idolizing guys that were two or three years older than me and, and wanting to be them. And anyway, it's just, it's a weird concept, but it's, it's been a great ride. Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a weird business as they say. So, um, <laughs> so getting back to that, you mentioned that, you know, you're now 56 still in yeah. obviously fantastic shape, still doing great. You were the oldest person in history to win the NWA title at age 51 uh, when you defeated Jack Stane. Right. Um, can you tell us a bit about what it meant to be counted among those all-time greats that have also held the 10 pounds of gold? Um, and also for you personally at sort of such a later stage of your career, I mean, you'd already been wrestling for over 20 years at that point. Um, what did that mean to you personally on a career, like as a professional to uh, win such a prestigious title so late into your run. Yeah, it, it's it's a deal where I had committed, uh, I had started doing some work with a friend of, I had made friends with this guy that, that was a promoter, his name's Robert. Uh, Robert had the NWA Texoma, which was Texas and Arkansas, he had two franchises. And because I grew up, for me, NWA was wrestling. It, it was you know, I'm a big Arn Anderson fan. You know, I mean, just Tully, Tully Blanchard. I mean, those guys that I, that those were to me, that was wrestling. And I committed to myself. I, I, and again, I don't, and I don't want to make it sound like I had this very big vision, but I, and I remember saying, I don't know what I can do to help the NWA move back toward the prominence that it had, but I want to do something. I want to do whatever it is that I can do. So I committed to the NWA that that was going to make that a priority. I never, my goal was never to win the NWA world title. Uh, it, I never dreamed that big. You know, I mean, those, seriously, those were the guys that I, you said it, the guys that I grew up wanting to be, uh, Dusty Rhodes, Ric Flair, Harley Race, Terry Funk, Steamboat. I mean, those are all NWA champions and growing up and watching those guys, I never imagined, okay, I'm going to put my name on that list. Um, I won the NWA North American twice and that was huge for me you know to be an end to be because you could you could at the time we had i think 46 franchises or something throughout uh throughout the u.s australia had one uh, there was one in japan anyway so we, were, we could say we were worldwide but to to you it was it was a big deal to get a local to get a, a local franchise championship but i never imagined getting the title and to answer your question, the night that I the night that I beat Jax, I did it at NWA Texoma, home crowd, uh, big crowd. They were all pulling for me. It was probably my fourth or fifth shot at Jax, and he had you know we either he'd either you know did, we double DQ'd or he beat me every time. Mm. Uh, and I knew that night that you know I, later I cut a promo about being my mountaintop, and that that was that's just from the heart. It's I knew that night they, that they put my list on that list of names with the same guys that I, that and a, you know, 40 others that I, that I, that were amazing. And I didn't know how, you never know how long you're going to hold the title. That's just wrestling. But I knew that night that my name was on the list and they couldn't take it off. And I knew uh, that was the mountaintop. 
you know, it, it, and, and at any age. And I didn't know at the time that I was the, I, I, apparently I beat Luthez's record. It just to put your name in that list with Luthez, that in itself is amazing. But, you know, I didn't know I was the oldest, uh, the oldest world <laughs> champion. It, it, it's going to be great when I win it at uh, 56, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, did you wake up the next morning with uh, NWA world champion on your the side of your head imprinted? or? I, I probably woke up. <laughs> cuddling the NWA, NWA world title, you know, and, and not one to hoping it wasn't a dream. It was, you know, it was, we did it right. Um, limo the whole bit after the show. And it was, uh, it was, it was good times were had by all. So, but you also, you also kind of have to carry the deal where, uh, you know, a lot of world champions set that flair being one of them, but you know, apparently the new champion buys, you know, so I spent a lot of money that night and it was worth every penny. Oh, wonderful. You kept with the traditions, bro. Um, I wanted to ask uh, about a a, a very nice moment here for you. 2017, you defended the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship against the legendary Jerry the King Lawler in your home state. Um, What was it like working with Jerry and defending the championship against him? That's just a surreal moment right there. Yeah, and, and, you know, it's a deal where, again, uh, when I was watching – what were they uswa in memphis growing up jerry jerry lawler was the king you know i mean he was he was the franchise of of it was his group he was usually the champion uh going into that match we knew it would sell right so but but he cut a promo where he said he said the number of titles that he had held and it was i think he told in his promo he said that he holds the record as as the wrestler has held the most titles in history i believe every second of that it's, it's, i believe that's true i i do think the actual number is triple digits but oh absolutely absolutely and he told <laughs> the number and i you know when it, the match itself uh i don't know i don't know how old is how old he is now but the he, he's still in, he's still in he looks the same as he did 40 years ago <laughs> um, and you know to have to get in there with him it was you know, the match, I won't say it was an instant classic from a technical wrestling standpoint or anything, but, uh, you know, he surprised me with this, with some things, you know, at one point he hit a, he hit a drop kick, um, which <laughs> probably knocked me off my feet. Just the thought that this guy was still hitting a drop kick and not, you know, not the physical part of it, but it was a, it was a good match. Easy, easy. And I had worked a lot of shows with him. Uh, I had never, I had actually, I had actually lost for this, for an organization in uh, Arkansas, uh, my partner and I lost a, the tag championships uh, to he and Matt Riviera. So I had been in the ring with him, but you know, that was the first singles match. It, it, you know, there was a lot of discussion about that going into it. That was a lot of history in the ring. The match was, was really good and it was easy to work with, which, you know, some people say he's not, it was easy to work with. You know, we, we ran about as old school finish as you could run. And the discussion was basically going in there was uh, I'll see you in there, you know, which is, which I'm hundred percent comfortable with. And that, you know, not a lot of people are anymore, but that's just wrestling to me. Yeah. Over to you, DJ. Yeah. So Nick Aldis is a guy who's, I mean, really pre COVID, but um, aside from COVID, he's been having just the run of his career, the run of his life. Um, what, what was it like working with Nick? I mean, can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, well, Nick, Nick and I have, because of what we've done together, 
uh, we have become friends, um, you know, at, from that. The, the first time we met, I'm sure that Nick didn't know what to think about me and I didn't know what to expect from him. Um, I thought that our first match out there in California defending the title, uh, you know, it wasn't perfect. But in re- and at the time, I was not happy with what my performance in the match. Uh, going back and watching the match, the match was really good. The, the finish, the finish didn't come off the way that I had it pictured. But I, you know, but I, I won that match. I have to be really careful because I have a tendency to start being Nick's hype man because I, I believe Nick is. <laughs> I think he is just an amazing wrestler. Uh, I think he's he's absolutely a full package. You know he. If you anybody that watched NWA Power, first of all, let's back up. He comes with the British style, so he's got, he's a great technical wrestler. Uh, every time I see him, literally every time, my thought is he's a lot bigger than I remember him being. The dude is the dude is six four two fifty whatever. Comes off the top rope with an elbow. As a technical wrestler, he can brawl. He can do everything in the ring. Uh, if you if people that watched NWA Power the first season. He came out and cut just money promos and had the fans behind him turned on me. And in season two, he came out and couldn't get the promo out because people were booing him so bad. Mm -hmm. So he can work both sides of the mic, you know, obviously, you know, he dresses, he dresses great. So, I mean, he really is. He's the total package from a wrestler uh, standpoint. He's got a great, a great brain for the business. He's an intelligent guy. I mean, he's again, again, I turn into his hype man, but it's, He's he literally is that good. Yeah, I mean, I I wanted to ask you specifically about your work with Nick because um, as good as Nick already was, even before NWA Power went onto the air, I personally feel like that work that he did with you know uh, turning on you and everything. I mean, I was just captivated watching it. So it was with that where I was sort of starting to think to myself, "Wow, Nick Otis is you know one of the top names in this business." Um, and that was in no small part just to how dedicated the audience is to Tim Storm. And, and nope, that didn't surprise anybody more than it did me, to be honest with you. I, I don't, you know, I can't tell you how many people and, and, and you, you know, feel free to shake your head. It won't hurt my feelings, but I can't tell you how many people and I'd wrestled for 23 years, at basically what I considered at a high level how many people said, you know, I didn't know who you were until 10 pounds of gold, or I didn't know who you were until NWA power. Um, but, but walking out there at NWA, NWA power on the first episode, uh, when they told me, and I could, I, cause it was, it was a deal where when they came to me and said, we, we think this can come full circle. We think, we think the story that you and Nick have told that we should, we should kick off the new program with you guys on the first show in the main event for the title. And, like I said, I wasn't, I was not extremely happy with my, I was not completely happy with my performance in the first match with Nick. I felt like, I mean, Nick is great. He carried, he carried his load. Well, I think again, in retrospect, yeah, it was a good match. It could have been much better if I had performed better. Um, so I, I felt a little pressure going into that match and people can say wrestling is a work all they want, but when they said, we want to make this match that if you don't win, you don't get another shot at the title. Uh, I didn't jump on that. You know, I didn't go, yeah, let's do it. I was like, seriously, I'm never going to get, I mean, uh, I just cut this promo. This is my mountaintop. And you're telling me, so it was work or not. It was an emotional deal for me. Um, 
I was very, very happy with the, the contest that Nick and I had on NWA Power. It was great, so, yeah. I think we, I think we, you know, my my thing in wrestling as I get older is I can't do everything physically I used to be able to do. Um, so I just I believe wrestling is telling a story, and and I was very happy with the story that we told him and that we continue to tell. You know, they they've I don't know if you guys have seen it, but the NWA has come out with it. Uh, NWA's great rivalries. And the first one they did was Nick and I had a two-parter and I watch, I watch it and I get chills because, uh, you know, because it's so well done the way it's put together, but it, but it really puts into a perspective. It, it cap, it captures the story that we told over three years. Uh, And then I I was very happy to see that (laughs) at the end, it was left open. They didn't say this was a great rivalry. They said, we don't know where this is going to go next or where it's going to end. And every, anytime I can get in the ring with Nick, um, it's a, it's a pleasure. And I know that we're both going to work hard and I, I'm, I'm always confident in what we're going to put out there. Well, I, I, for one hope that, uh, that the stipulation gets overturned one day. Cause I like to see Tim Storm contend for that championship once again. I second Two that. time heavyweight. There's, there is there, honestly in wrestling, there's nothing that would make me happier than that. Um, yeah. COVID is not doing me any favors. You know, I mean, it's a, I know, and again, not to be the downer, but, you know, and there's a whole lot of things more serious than this because there's too many people being affected and too many lives and too many sicknesses. Uh, but for a guy who is 56, about to be 57, you know, COVID has stole basically, stolen basically a year at least of my career. Yeah. And I don't have much yeah. left to give. Right. I mean, I don't, I'm not, I have no plans. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying this is it, but you know, you, they stole, COVID stole the year that I, it couldn't really afford to give up and the clock is ticking so hopefully yeah. we'll get something going and just give me an opportunity figure out a way to give me an opportunity for for that shot and i'll give it everything i got yeah absolutely absolutely um i wanted to ask uh at this point um you know we're starting to talk more about nwa power um uh, we want to know a little bit about your interactions with Billy Corgan uh, and how much of what we see on NWA Power is his vision. Is he very hands-on with a product or does he prefer to just hang back and let you guys and whoever's involved in, in uh, creative, I suppose you would call it, um, does he just let everyone do their thing? That's a great question. Nobody's ever asked it that way. And, and here's, it's both. Uh, Billy is very, very, he loves wrestling. He just, he's, he's passionate about the wrestling business. And I think that's obvious from the fact that if anybody knows the background, he had a pretty bad experience at TNA financially. Yeah. And, 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 and we know that his money is in music. So it would have been easy for somebody without a passion for the business to say, yeah, that didn't work out. I'm never doing that again. Yeah. And, and he's jumping right back in with, with, you know, with love and passion. So he's very hands-on. He's very much a part of the creative, um, and he's obviously a very creative person in life. Yeah. The other side of that, though, is he respects the business and he loves the business enough that once he throws it out there, he's got people that he has chosen, handpicked, you know, that, that they've picked their roster of guys. And once he throws it out there, it's basically, here's my vision. Make it yours. You know, make it happen. Uh, here's kind of what I'm thinking. But he's not the kind of guy that's like, no, I want this. This is what, you know, he, he understands that he's an artist and he understands in our own way we are too. So 
uh, and you know, and I, I'm, I'm active in other organizations where I'm booking and, and agenting matches and those kind of things. And my approach to that is kind of similar where I'm going to say, Hey, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm, this is me as a teacher, by the way, I go to extremes on my analogy. I'm not going to tell some 400 pound guy, Hey, your finish is a 450 off the top rope because he can't be successful with that. So what I would say is here's kind of what I'm picturing. You tell me how you can get there. And that's kind of what Billy does. You know, Billy will say, here's the story we're telling. This is what I'm picturing. Make it yours. And then yeah. he lets you do it. I, you know, uh, that opening, that opening NWA power, I was told, I was told you're going to get about 60 seconds before the match in a stand-up interview, probably at, uh, at the podium. And that, that, you know, that doesn't even on my, uh, on my stress level, that's not even a blip on the radar, right? I could, that's just, that doesn't yeah. bother me at all. But the stress came with 60 seconds. That's all I've got. How do I, how do, you know, I'm, I'm a passionate person when I love something and, and how am I going to get my story and my passion about this match in 60 seconds? So that's what's spinning in my head. I'm getting ready to go out and Billy is, Billy is that gorilla. He's, you know, he's very active. And as I'm going through the curtain or as I'm standing in gorilla, Billy walks up and he goes, don't worry about the time. Do what you do. We have full confidence and we know you're going to make it happen. Take all the time you want. And my body, my, my body just went, ah, okay, now let's roll. Um, you know, he told the entire crew before our first taping, he said in a, in a studio setting, a studio situation, no music going to the ring. And again, this is for most people, this was a weird concept for old school guys that that's fine, but that was a weird concept. That means that there's no, there's no hard beat that you're coming through the curtain. There's no music to get them fired up. When you walk through the curtain, it's you and the crowd about 20 feet apart, yeah. whatever response you get. And he said, when you cut a promo to the group, when you cut a promo, it's sink or swim. You either get yourself over or you're probably not going to get another promo. And he said, I'm not trying to put pressure on you. I'm just telling you in front of a live audience with TV taping, you sink or swim. And again, I'm like, okay, you know, I don't, who knows? I'm going to go out and be me. And I was very, very, very pleasantly surprised that people responded. I didn't know if they would or not. So yeah, it's Billy is both. He's creative, he's hands-on and he knows when to step back and let the artist do their thing. Yeah. That's a, that's a great way of looking at it. Um, you know, I, I feel like, and I don't want to go on too much of a rant here, but from what I gather with the WWE, God, it's such a shame that some of these guys in the prime of their career, they don't even get given any content to work with. We know nothing about their character. We know nothing about the persona that they're trying to portray because they're just given nothing to work with. So it's so refreshing to hear that in 2020 or 2019, there's someone out there that is allowing these guys to, to have a little bit of, you know, creative influence in what they do because well, no again, one thinks about their character more than the person that portrays right. that character. So right. you know, that they're the best person to go to when it comes well, to. And again, you've got your finger on the pulse because it, it's, it's a deal where when Dave and Billy first talked to me before NWA power, when they were talking to me about the 10 pounds of gold, the concept of it, I, you know, as an old school guy, that was, that was not something I was comfortable with. You know, you don't, you don't open up the curtain. You don't show people your family, your job, your age. Uh, yeah. You don't. You don't. 
I wanted people to think, I'm sorry, this is old school, but I wanted people to think I'm Ric Flair and then I show up in a limo dressed in a suit and making million dollars. <laughs> not that I'm a school teacher, right, with, with five grandkids. That's not – so when they approach me about that, you're, what you said is exactly what Dave and Billy said. Right. They said, we believe that we're telling that, – that every wrestler has a story. We believe you have a story that we think people will connect with. We want to tell the story. And I'm like – I really, I've worked hard for 20 years to try to stay in shape because I don't want anybody to know how old I was, right? I didn't, I didn't want, I didn't want to be that guy in the ring that's like, wow, he's in really good shape for 50. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, I just wanted to be, hey, that guy's in good shape. So to open that up, um, it took a little time. It didn't take convincing, but it took a little time building that relationship and that trust and in, in, in each other. Um, Dave sent me some stuff he had done with Drew McIntyre. And he said, this is the concept that I want. Uh, I want to, open, you know, this is that kind of how I want it to look. I just want to show him you. And, and I'm like, it, it took a little time. I got, we got, a, I got, you know, when you throw your life out there and open it up to people, you're going to get, everybody has a right to their opinion, right? So you're going to get some that don't agree with you or like something. Uh, and there was a little, <clears throat> there was a little bit of that. The biggest was the biggest was age. <clears throat> I couldn't believe they had it with, you know, the, that this new company was going to have a 52 year old champion or 53 year old champion. Right. Um, after the first episode, the second episode, it, and I'm going to give them full credit. Maybe it's a good story, but it's the way they, it's the way they present it. The way they were presenting it, presenting me, people felt connected and, that I won't say there's, there was no negative, but a lot of the negative went away and they just got, people just got hooked into the story and, and follow. Yeah, on. that's exactly. Yeah. It's like, it's like Terry Funk and ECW when he won their world title. I mean, right. that was like such a, it, because it was built up the right way. Right. You didn't care how old he was. It was just such a special moment to see it. So I can, well, but here's the, <clears throat> here's the weird, here's the weird thing. I can remember seeing Terry Funk at whatever 52, 53, uh, in ECW, and boy, this is—I'm just an honest person. I shouldn't say this, but I remember seeing him like do the 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 moon salt or whatever, and I literally went, "He's too old to be doing that." Yeah. Now I'm now I'm that guy, right? So I'm, I'm that guy. Last last night was the was a Texas bull rope match, and I literally was in there thinking, "I'm that guy, right?" I'm about too old to be doing the Texas bull rope match, but you know, <laughs> hey, it's my match. I'm a dusty guy. I'm, yeah. I'm following the example of Dusty, so it's okay. <laughs> so I, I just want to, I just want to follow on a little bit from what you were talking about, kind of working with Billy Corgan and and Dave Lagana and the crew at NWA Power. Um, Mama Storm yeah. has been a running motif in in all of your a lot of your promo work uh, on NWA Power, and she's almost becoming a fan favorite in her own right, despite never being seen on the show. I think the reason why it's become so popular is because it resonates with people. Everyone can relate to, you know, wanting to make their, their mom proud. <laughs> um, and, and what I was, what I was going to ask out, do you spend a lot of time kind of thinking about what you're going to say before you go out there? Or do you let the kind of the fire of the crowd and everything kind of take you along for the ride? Um, I, I follow the, and again, I, I'm not, I never, I, I did get to spend a little bit of time with some greats like Dusty, but I'm not going to sit down and say, Dusty shared this wisdom, but from, from one of Dusty's books, 
Um, he's, he made the suggestion that you don't practice promos, right? You don't stand in front of a mirror for the promo for the show and do it 10 times. Because if you do that, you lose the, 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 the realism and you lose the spontaneity of it. So I usually, I drive as a, as a wrestler, especially in Texas, I, you know, I don't, you got, well, you guys have a huge place too, but in Texas, I can drive nine hours South and still be in Texas. Right. So, so if I take a booking in Texas, I can go South nine hours. Or if I go North, I can go through three States in seven hours, but that's, I do a lot of driving and I'm cutting, especially if I've got one that I just can't get off my mind. I've got a promo running in my head. I don't say it out loud. Right. So I, going out there, I usually have, I always have usually an idea of what I want to say. Um, the message that I want to come across, but as an old school, as an old school worker, I was taught and, you know, you, you flow with the crowd and you've got it. You got to get the feeling if the crowd wants to take you one direction or, you know, if you have, you have something you want to do and the crowd feels something else, you got to go with that because in the big picture, our job is to connect to the crowd and get some kind of response, good, bad, that the worst is indifferent. Right. So in that promo, like the whole mama storm thing, again, nobody more surprised than me. Mm-hmm. I, I never, I actually got in the ring after that first promo and, um, Brian Hebner was the ref and I, I leaned in, he was checking me and I went, I might regret that. You know, I don't know. I don't know how this is going to go. Well, as again, as a wrestler, if I'm in there getting my butt handed to me by Nick Aldis, what I really want is the crowd to want me to come back. So is it good that they're chanting mama storm? Is it good? I mean, I'm just saying, are they chanting for my mom? Is my mom now over more than me? And she's not getting her butt kicked. Right. So it, it's, it was something that the crowd, again, the crowd loved it. They hooked it. I didn't, I didn't go out there and, and nudge, nudge. Hey, watch me get my mom over. Right. <laughs> I, it wasn't the plan. It just, that's what happened. So, and I'm glad it happened. Don't get me wrong, but my mom just doesn't get it. Like it's, she's not a wrestling fan. She's 95. She'll be 96 <laughs> next month. And I'll tell her all the time, mom, they love you. They love you. Look, look, Here's my here's a lady in Scotland wearing your shirt. She's like, well, isn't that sweet? But she doesn't have a clue what that really means, right? That's great. <laughs> and I think it's safe to say that you yeah. you got your mum over more than what Buff Bagwell did with his. Um... <laughs> oh, Marcus. I love him. Love love Bagwell. <laughs> Me too. I'm a massive. Fan I do. Of him. He's a great guy. I don't. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah he's him, but... he's lovely. Um, yeah. Uh, so like, uh, we didn't have this in our questions, but I, I actually just, it just crossed my mind. Uh, what is, what's in the future for NWA power? I know we've got this COVID thing and it's so annoying and it's just ruining everything, but, um, what is the, what is the, I guess the plan going forward? You know, when might things pick up again? Uh, I guess we don't know, but, um, do you have any inside information for us here? I wish I did. Um, strangely, whether it's good or bad, it's, I know is, I know what everybody else knows. And it's, I know here's, here's what I will tell people going into the, the whole epidemic thing when it was shut down. Um, I think Billy, I remember Dave, Dave, Dave was kind of my guy, my go-to guy. And, um, you know, Billy's got a whole nother world of, of, of life up here 
that is that's his that's his job right so the, the music thing is his primary focus the wrestling is important to it so dave was kind of the guy that you know every all the wrestling went through to billy and i remember but at one point i remember billy telling me he said uh he goes i don't think anybody gets how bad this is going to be he mm-hmm. said i cannot in good conscience not only not i can't put the fans in that situation i can't put my my wrestlers in that situation and he said I don't see this. I don't see this uh, clearing for a year. And he said, that's not good. Well, and, and for our, our particular model. Okay. So if we've got a studio show and I don't know, cause I've always tried to figure it out how, you know, how many can that studio hold? I don't know. Is it 300? Is it 500? Cause it's hard to tell. And you never get an opportunity to go one, two, three, you know, you just can't, but in that, in that model, what are we going to do at 20% capacity mm-hmm. or, 50% capacity. Are we sitting people six feet apart? I'm, you know what I'm saying? It doesn't, our model, that doesn't work. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, yeah. we, we want to be in the ring. We want to be working mm-hmm. and we want to be working for the NWA. Um, you guys have seen it. We've had, we've had, I've had a lot of friends and a lot of talent that have had to ha- have moved on to other things just because that we don't have opportunities. Um, and I'm that guy that's, I'm the strange one. I'm like, I want everybody to be successful wherever that is. So I'm pulling for everybody. It's okay if they go somewhere else because they're making money and that's what we're, we're doing. But I, I don't know the answer to your question. You know, I, I, when I see, when I see uh, Billy or Nick post about NWA power, don't, you know, look for something soon. I get as excited as everybody else. Yeah. You know, right. Right now. I, I know that we've got a partnership with, uh, uh, with Alliance in California, where they're doing they're doing uh, their own pay per view model and featuring one or two NWA title matches each each week, and we've had I think what two two title changes out there, and then one on AEW. I mean, go figure. It's you know, but <laughs> Billy's never been afraid to work with with other companies. That's he said from the beginning. That's the model that he wants to follow. So, yeah, so cool. I wish I could give you a better answer. And that's I wish okay. I had a better answer. You know, I wish I could say, hey, in January, you know, I, but I, no, <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm ready. Uh, you know, they, they've, all, they've told me forever, not them, but I mean, in wrestling, you got to stay TV ready all the time. You just never know. So <laughs> all of us, I think, work hard to try to be ready and are hoping that that'll happen soon. And, and I, the answer is, sadly, the answer is when it's safe, we'll be back, you know. <laughs> yeah. I just, I, thought, gotta, I just gotta hope I'm not 63 when that happens because I'm pretty sure I'm not wrestling at that point. <laughs> I think uh, when we put this video up, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna have me asking that question and have you say, "Hey, in January," and that'll be the first bit, <laughs> and then everyone will want to watch. <laughs> okay, hey, get Everyone, yeah. like, oh, here we go. We're going to get the scoop, and then they're going to be disappointed. Tim Storm announces NWA <laughs> power return. <laughs> I'll get you. I'll get you a lot of hate. And I'll get hate. <laughs> yeah, yes, you will. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, DJ, uh, I don't want to take up too much more of uh, Mr. Storm's time. So that last question you had on your list, I think that's a great question to go with before we go with our our final um, run there of stuff. Absolutely. So you've enjoyed a, a really wonderful career working across the independents and, and different NWA territories. And, and in a lot of ways, you've kind of really had an old school territorial style career um, in the professional wrestling business. Do you feel that with WWE and now AEW, I guess, becoming more and more synonymous with the concept of 
pro wrestling. Do you think that you were kind of the last of a dying breed as far as being an old school pro? I think that, I think I would gladly represent that. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that being that old school territory type person, wrestler, uh, that, that we lose by not having it. it the, and, I, and I know there's, there's a little bit that's happening and happening in locker rooms, but, you know, for me personally, I've gotten to spend, and again, a lot of these are, I've got a lot of these are very big names where I'm at, you know, may not be worldwide, but I, but I've, over the years, I've got to spend valuable hours riding in a car, going to a show where, where you could sit at the tree of knowledge, right? You could, you could sit and keep your mouth shut and listen. And I've probably learned more in those situations than I have in the ring. Um, Skandar Akbar, uh, Matt Bourne, Jake Roberts, uh, Buck Robley, oh, more, more current as far as, you know, guys that are, that are younger, but uh, Lance Hoyt and I traveled together for over a year. And, and in those situations, what you get is you get, and, and currently like one of my favorite travel partners, maybe my, one of my best friends is a guy named James Beard, who is a referee, but booked at the Sportatorium, has booked now, he and I have booked together, but he's booked and been in wrestling. He, he, he booked in Japan. Anyway, when you're riding with those guys, you get instant feedback. And it, and it could be as simple as, uh, well, like for Lance, for example, I, at the time I had the company you're working for was called traditional championship wrestling. And we had a very good TV program and I was the champion. Well, Lance is six, seven and I'm may, I'm six, three. And, and he's his, his feedback was constant. Why did you do that there? What, what, okay. What did you think when this happened? I don't care who I don't care who that person was and where are they from? Why are you bumping for that person? In every one of those situations, that's learning. And from from the old school, you know, scene, you got that every day. You got that after every match. You did nothing but talk wrestling. Um, you know, one one of the gifts that wrestling gives is you have to travel. You have to work in front of other or of different crowds. A crowd in Arkansas is going to react to something completely different. Than a, than a crowd in Detroit or Los Angeles or Perth, you don't know. So you've got to expand your repertoire. You've got to listen and you've got to feel the yeah. passion and you got to pass that back to the fans. You know, again, Mick Foley tells a story in his first book and he talks about his first, his first tour was in Africa and he was with Dominic Danucci, the guy who trained him. And he said that he tried everything yeah. he could think of. They were outdoors. He took a backdrop on the grass to crickets chirping. <laughs> and he said, Danucci grabbed him in a rear chin lock and locked it in, and the crowd went crazy. And he said, right there, but he goes, right there, yeah. it clicked. He, was, he said, we spent the next 10 minutes doing every amateur reversal to the crowds, clapping like it was WrestleMania. But that's what you've got, but that's what you've got to develop as a wrestler, right? You can go out and have, you can have a, the best match in the world planned in your head and you hit your first spot to no reaction and you better be able to change. Right. Yeah. And you, you better be able to react. So that's a long answer, but I think that, yes, that the territory things is unfortunately, um, they'll always be independent wrestling. I hope, but it's a dying thing. If I, if I can in any way represent those guys who came before us and, and made this business so great, 
and, you know, pave the road. You know, I mean, I, I got to spend time with Kevin Sullivan. We're starting to use him on a local TV thing that I'm helping with. And, and I sat at the learning tree with him in a booking meeting oh, and man. learned. I mean, I, again, one of, oh, to me, one of the best minds in the history of wrestling. I just, you know, so anyway, that was a rant. Sorry. You got me going. You got me fired up. I'm sorry. <laughs> no. Having a little no, was good. lesson with Kevin Sullivan is like, uh, probably sitting there and yeah. having a musical lesson with John Lennon. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah it's, oh, that would have been, <laughs> well, and, and I'm, I was, I've been helping book this show, uh, since its inception with James, you know, and he and I basically, our, our philosophies are just one, but you know, well, okay. I don't be a name dropper, but I've got James, I've got Teddy Long and I've got Kevin Sullivan and myself in a booking meeting. Oh man, now, that would, I'd love to I'm be a fly on the wall for that. I'm 56 <laughs> years old. I'm the youngest, yeah. least experienced guy in the room. Right. And, I, and I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm just basically sitting and listening and I'm still going to throw in my ideas because that's who I am. But man, what a team of guys that know oh the business. God. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. So it was a lot. It's yeah, a lot of fun. That, that, the that, business is the business is good. Wow. Um, so uh, we do have a segment when we end that the show. Sounds, that sounds um, incredible. Uh, it's it's uh, called Five Second Frenzy. But before we get there, Tim, I have a few other quick questions. Um, ribs. Do you have any rib stories? We love rib stories on the show. <sighs> <laughs> okay, I'm gonna boy. I'm gonna set myself up to be ribbed by saying this. I think that when you become the older, well-respected, um, you know, wrestler in every locker room, you get ribbed less. Yeah. But there, you know, historically, there's always those. And I'll tell you, one of the guys that used to drive me the the, the most nuts is Lance Hoyt. Uh, Lance, well, Lance's thing was, and we're, you know, we're good again. I, I, I don't want to kill his murder hawk. I'm a monster gimmick, but he's a great guy. You know, he is, he's just a great guy. And his, he loves to, uh, as you're walking, you know, as you're standing in gorilla, not even if he's in your match, but if you're standing in gorilla with your belt on your championship title on, he likes to try to time it just as you go through the curtain where he pulls the snap so it falls off when you walk through the curtain. Uh, <laughs> that's, that, 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 that's gone. That's gone. Uh, we, we, we were running uh, my, my long-term tag team partner, uh, Apocalypse, Adam Asher. We, we, were, we were very, very dark heel tag team 15 years ago. I mean, it was, it was very dark very ultra violent kind of stuff, blowing fire. Anyway. Um, yeah, we came out as we, as we made our entrance, they changed us to cheerleader music as we came out, which is also <laughs> not, doesn't get over your dark, you know, killer gimmick, but you know, it's, I love wrestling. Uh, the, the, the ribs are just a part of the business. I think it's getting less and less, but, uh, I'm not going to say I'm immune, but you know, I'm not afraid to drop the teacher stare at somebody here. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and that's some nice lighthearted stuff. <laughs> it's my teacher stare. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I wanted to also ask. I mean, obviously, being a wrestler, you're, you're traveling up and down the road quite a lot. Do you have any horror stories of traveling uh, to and from shows? Uh, anything that's particularly been a bit scary, or you name it. I mean, it's it's. 
<laughs> the first one that jumped in my head was the dead body on the side of the road. You know, what do you do? Oh, you, you, and that was early on. I think every wrestler who has traveled by car has hit the, apparently there was a terrible accident. They're care flighting somebody out. So you're sitting for three hours wondering if you're going to get to the show, throwing a football because it's standstill traffic. Right. Um, and then there's always the fun one where you drive six or seven hours only to find out that the show has been canceled, you know, and the promoter has, has moved. One of my, one of my very first shows that was, that was of any consequence had, um, he become well. He's King Mabel, but Big Daddy V, uh, Butch Reed, um, a bunch of guys on it, and <laughs> Bill Ash was actually helping promote it, but he wasn't the money guy. And Bill called us out all together after the show and said, "Hey, listen, I'm just going to be straight up with you. He doesn't have the money." Oh, and God. for me, as a guy who's breaking in, you know, my fifty bucks isn't going to kill me one way or the other. You know, but to have to have Hacksaw Butch Reed say, I, where does he live? Going, <laughs> I don't care who's it. And he was dead serious. He was going to get his money one way or another. And, you know, there's all those situations. Uh, I mean, injuries. I think all of us have had it. I took a cross, or I took a, uh, a, a cross body on the outside and James was the ref and he came over and he said, you okay? And I said, I can't move my legs. Fuck. Yeah. But that's yeah, again, it was a stinger, and I'd never had one. Wow! But I legitimately was laying there thinking, "All right, paralyzed. What am I going to oh, do?" I mean, God, how scary! That's wrestling, and it's you know the our, our it's not a joke, but you'll hear it. We say it all the time. It's not ballet, right? That's Things it. happen. Yeah, uh, I'm sure across your time in the business, you've had a few weird interactions with fans. Uh, any stories <laughs> on that? <laughs> Uh, I think the first one that jumps in my head is the guy who brought me a gimp mask and wanted me to wear it, asked me what, wanted to trade it for my cowboy hat and wanted, because he thought that would be a great wrestling mask. I don't even know. I think he did know what it was, but I think he would have got it. Got and then I, I can't tell you, there is nothing, well, I'm, I'm, I'm editing in my head here. There is nothing wrong with collecting wrestlers' gear, but there's always awesome. something a little creepy when a guy wants to buy your trunks but they have to still be sweaty when he gets them. That's, you know, there's a line there that's, that you uh, can't, it, <laughs> Hey, we're, we're all money makers, but that's a decision everybody's got to make on their own. I think I'll just, <laughs> I think I'll just hang on to my trunks. I, I don't need your money that bad. Uh, but, yeah. uh, wrestling, right. wrestling is full of people that, that are, we have to be a little off to do this. Right. Yeah. And it, there's a bunch of them. So, yeah. Well, there was a wrestling company, uh, DJ and I were a part of a while back and uh, a guy used to watch our stuff over the internet and uh, he would always send the request of, can you please have a match where someone wins with a one foot pin all the time? Yeah. He had this thing about just constantly, constantly. Oh, but wouldn't it be great if, like if where was a you match step like on the step on the chest? No, I'm with and... you. It, Why? No, this is, no this here's the deal. Maybe, maybe we need that. If somebody puts one foot on you, you know they're going to kick out. <laughs> you change the wrestling business. All it takes yeah. is one. It becomes a legitimate pin. Okay, I'm sorry. I, I, don't, I can't even sell that yeah. to myself. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, before we get to our final segment, Five Second Frenzy, uh, do you have any regrets, Tim? Hmm. Um, I have been very careful in my career. I... I I always wondered 
what if hmm. instead of going to college, getting married, having kids at 22, 23 years old, what if I had gone straight on the old school circuit, trained at 19 or 20? Um, I could have made that, I could have made the old school territory system timing wise. Doesn't mean I'd have been successful. Doesn't mean I'd have, you know, done anything with it. But I'm going to very carefully say that's not a regret. You know, that's a what if. Um, the only regret, two regrets. One is um, in training, not understanding uh, a spot and three months in completely shredding my knee. I regret that. Um, and then the second regret was the guy, Bill Ash, the guy who trained me. At one point, we were doing TV early, early. I was terrible. We were doing TV with uh, Harley Race at World League or World Legion because it becomes both. And at one point, Bill told me, yeah, we're not, yeah, we're not doing that anymore. Oh, okay. And I didn't go. And then later tried to make up for the fact that unknowingly I know showed Harley Race and oh. didn't make a booking um, for somebody who I had looked up to in the business and respected. I would never do that because that's unprofessional. Um, I regret that. And he never used me again. So, right. you know, yeah, there, I, I, that, that, those are my two real regrets. I understand, sir. Um, so, Tim, let's get back to some more lighthearted stuff. This is Five Second Frenzy. <laughs> okay. This segment is basically, I just ask you a bunch of questions about you and, and different things that you like. Um, okay. So, first question on Five Second Frenzy, your favorite wrestler of all time? Dusty Rhodes. Charisma. Can go and can do can do sixty minutes and look like he couldn't walk upstairs, but I mean just just great. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's great. <laughs> your favorite opponent over the years? Uh, the easy way. Well, man. Okay, AJ Styles athletically and a great guy, but my long term tag partner and I've worked each other about five hundred times, and Adam Asher and I, and you just can't go wrong with that. Yeah. Mm. Uh, the favorite match you've ever had? Sadly. Uh, tables, ladders, and chairs about 15 years ago, one of the most violent matches I've ever been in. But it, uh, it, it, it turned my head about what the, what the business could be with fan reaction. Right. Wow. Um, your favorite TV show? Um, and I am a, I was a big Walking Dead fan. Um, I'll, I'll choose that. But I'm also a binge watcher, so you know, at any given time, I it could be anything. But of all time, Walking Dead's probably the one. Awesome, awesome. Uh, favorite film? I used to say anything with De Niro in it, but I, even that's no. changed recently. I'm going to go completely old school and say the original Airplane movie. Mm, wow, great, cool. great movie, great movie. Stupid comedy is my that's my ballpark. I'm all <laughs> yeah. in on that. Yeah. Uh, your favorite musical artist? Uh, nobody's going to believe this. Uh, it's actually going to be Prince. Uh, oh, bro. Of all time. Yeah. So I, I saw him two months before he passed away. He performed here in Perth. Like two months later, he was gone. Yeah. I'm, and, and, and then secondly, would probably be uh, Run DMC. So, oh, wow. Cool, man. Uh, Excellent. I'm old. I'm old. I'm old. What can I say? You're old, but hey. you're fly. You're fly. That's, that's right. <laughs> and if you say fly, it proves that I'm old. So it's just. <laughs> Uh, your favorite food steak i am yeah. 
I am a meat eater. We get it all the time. It's always steak or pizza with wrestlers. Um, Favorite place to eat on the road? For us here, it's Texas Roadhouse. You know, it's it's a steak. But on the road, traveling late at night, uh, Whataburger, which is it's a it's a huge Texas thing. Okay, I ate it, I ate it coming back from the show last night at one o'clock in the morning. So it's, it's good. <laughs> nice. Um, your favorite alcoholic beverage, Tim? Uh, you guys are gonna hate me. I have never drank alcohol in my life. Oh, no. okay. Well, just your favorite that, thing. That explains drink. why you. That explains why you're in such good shape. Because I guess I don't know. I just I just never have. So my favorite what? Uh, just anything that you like to drink then. While I sound very, very good about not drinking alcohol, I legitimately drink probably a gallon of diet beverage a day. It's usually Coke Zero. Right, I, have a, yep. I have a refill for $1.19 that I get going to work every morning. It's gone usually by 2 o'clock and I have to drink more. So <laughs> right. completely unhealthy. Yeah. And don't and don't feel bad about not being a, a drinker. I, I interviewed Frankie Lancaster last night and he does, has never drank either. So um Second last one is a bit of a naughty one, Tim. Your favorite female body part? Oh. Okay, again, I don't want to give too much information here. <laughs> I appreciate women for whatever. I, it can be different on everyone. Of course, uh, I'm a, I, I'm a butt man. Yeah. So is Bob Holly. Um, <laughs> we've well, had we've had we've had the we've had the butt a few times. Um, and uh, Tim, no pun, uh, the, no pun intended. No pun intended. <laughs> the, the last one on Five Second Frenzy, Tim, is your favorite curse word. Ah, I'm gonna drop. I don't cuss much because I'm a school teacher, but of I'm course. also a wrestler. So uh, you know, maybe an occasional f bomb will set the tone for okay. for what we need. So that's, you won't hear it often, but when you hear it, you know, it means something. That's yeah. It. And I'm such a dude, I'm such a dude. And it can be used in so many different ways. Of I'm course. just saying, is it, is it an adjective? Is it a verb? Is it a noun? <laughs> I'm just saying it could be anything. It could be anything you want. So. It's versatile. It's it is. Versatile word. You, yeah, you it, your, it is. You hit your toe on the, on the leg of a table. Fuck. <laughs> you know, you look at a nice butt, you go, fuck. That's what I. <laughs> that's, that's right it could be an invitation i'm just saying it's like it'd be <laughs> oh. oh well tim storm thank you so much for your time tonight it's been wonderful you know what i'm gonna throw one more at the end of five second frenzy here your favorite way to reprimand a naughty student they say sarcasm <laughs> is not a good teaching tool but it's sarcasm so it's going to be seriously, seriously. You just ask me what we're doing. You just, you just ask me if we're doing anything important today. I mean, did, didn't I just yeah. tell you what we're doing? I just, yeah. anyway, that's sarcasm is not a good teaching tool and I have it perfected. So good or bad. That's my, that's me. I, I think no student would have a chance with you. If they're trying to be cheeky with you, you're going to, Cart them down real quick with your wrestling promo experience. I I work heel as a teacher. That's for sure. So it's, <laughs> awesome. it's brutal. It's brutal. <laughs> well, Tim Storm, again, thank you so much for your time tonight. Uh, DJ, obviously a massive fan of yours. I yes, am too. Absolutely. Um, yes. So I'm glad to DJ to have had you on the show to have the chance to talk to Tim. I know that really meant a lot to you. So thanks yes. for being part of the show, thank DJ. You. Really appreciate it, man. Yes. Thank you. Uh, for DJ, having thank me. you. Thank you for caring. Seriously, 
Thank you oh, for caring. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm glad that I could get to connect you to it. Uh, obviously it meant a lot to my friend DJ. So um, Tim again, thank you. Uh, it's, it really means a lot. You're such a busy man. You've got a lot going on. So, uh, and also I want to say you should be so proud of what you've accomplished in the wrestling business starting Absolutely. at the age you did and, and where you're at right now. And you're still going, you're still going. You, you, the dream is not over yet. You're still going. And, yeah. and we from Perth here, Western Australia, yes. we are very proud of you, sir. Thank you yes. very much. I appreciate it. And again, it's, it literally, it's living the dream. Every, every time I get in the ring, I'm just, I'm doing what I, what I dreamed about doing. So thank you guys so much. I enjoyed it. No worries, brother. And uh, thank you everyone for watching the show here on the WZWA network. I am your host, California Imperial, alongside DJ and our new best friend of the whole wide world, Tim Storm. That's right. (laughs) That's right. I'm in. Thanks, Tim. Bye. Take care, guys.